0: This is honestly going to be probably the best sounding podcast, or it better be the best sounding podcast. We have some new, a new mic, so now uh, my guests can be fully mic'd up and just sound perfect,
1: right? Got to try and capture the best sounds possible, you know?
0: So uh, I have here with us today Nick, Nick Bumgars. Um, he goes to the same college as me. He was actually my RA at our college this past year and Northwest baby, Northwestern. Yeah. Colin Brander hall. And he will actually be the RA again, right? Yeah. You're coming back. I will. Yeah. Great. Uh, first Northwest that is. Nick, do you just want to talk a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, um, kind of your college plans where you're at and just, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, like Josh said, I go to Northwestern college with him and I've been an RA there last year, going to be doing that again. Uh, I'm a finance major, um, so kind of into money and that type of thing. That's kind of what I would like to do in the future. Right now, I've got a couple of projects that I've been working on that we'll get into later in the show. But uh, I'm currently working as a marketing intern for for uh, an industrial business in my hometown. So, working on doing some some Google Ads and some customer feedback and outreach and that type of thing. So. That's been um, my steady income, I guess, and it's uh, been only half time, so it's been perfect to allow me to pursue some other interests of mine,
0: like like making a podcast.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this will be my first podcast, my first so time. thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, no, it's I be fun.
0: I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on, and you were like one of the first ones that popped up in my head because I think you have such a unique um, perspective. Like, obviously, this podcast primarily focuses on like creativity creative field but I also think that you know people who are in the finance field um, business just they also have valuable input to um, provide and I think you especially what you're doing right now which will like you said we'll get into I think that also um, it's really cool because I think it can be applied in any field but what you're doing you're taking your your passion of finance, and then that just entrepreneurship type um, mindset that that we talk or that I talk about in this podcast, and you're combining the two. So we'll definitely get into that. But yeah, so college, um, you said you're a finance major, double major or?
1: No, I uh, I've been a, a finance major and a biology minor oh. for a while, but oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. I started off college as a pre-physical therapy student and realized that wasn't for me and took some accounting classes and realized that, you know, hey, business is a lot different than what I thought it was when I was in high school. This is something that I would like to pursue. And so there was still always that interest of biology, but um, that's also kind of faded now too. I've just, I just have so many different interests. You know, I've thought about dropping my bio minor and picking up a political science minor or picking up an economics minor. So there's just, there's just so much knowledge that you can pick up at, from a school at like Northwestern liberal arts college that allows you to take different, different courses and things of that nature. And, um, you know, I just find a lot of different things interesting and, and having knowledge of a lot of different things makes you a really well-rounded person and it helps you understand and, and connect the dots between things that other people might not see as related.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And so kinda of walk me through so the uh the audience kinda of knows kind of my story of how I came in as a pre med major. I don't know if you knew that, but I was pre med
1: yeah, I don't think like I did.
0: Within the first two weeks of class, I <laughs> dropped the major and pretty much shifted my whole entire focus. Was this for you like first uh like first semester, first year, or when did that shift kinda of happen?
1: Yeah, for me it was much less abrupt. It was more gradual. Um, throughout high school, I kind of always been leading medical, never had thought at all about business because I was just like, Oh, businesses, all entrepreneurial stuff. It's all about risk taking. I'd never even thought about, you know, being an accountant or being someone that just works for a business, not someone who's trying to start one. So I never even thought about pursuing business. I was always kind of thinking medical field. I liked biology. I liked anatomy. Um, But once I got to Northwestern, well, even in high school, I was never really completely sold on the medical field or physical therapy. It just kind of seemed like the best option. There was nothing that really like, oh, like I knew I've known since I was a little kid, this is what I want to be. And so when I got to Northwestern, physical therapy was still at the front of my mind. And then I was like, you know, like this is this is good and all, but I'm still not feeling it. I'm still not feeling the passion for this. So I took a business class, and my uh, second semester of my of my freshman year, I took an accounting class, and then decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to a business major. But at that point, I was still thinking, you know, I'll get a business degree for my undergrad, and then I'll go on to PT school, and then you know, someday I'll open my own PT firm. But then I think after my first semester of sophomore year, I was like, no, like still on the fence about PT school. I was still taking all the prerequisite courses, um, but I was getting further and further away from thinking about pursuing PT school. And then um, the beginning of junior year this year, or I guess the end of end of sophomore year, I dropped all my PT prerequisite courses and just went. Um, full into the finance major, so that's kind of been you know my journey to becoming a, a business major, and yeah,
0: yeah, and I would say like for you and me, I I wouldn't, I would say like when you shifted your like, uh, kind of course load and stuff, that's when we kind of started because like I I would say freshman sophomore year we knew of each other but we didn't really, like. I don't know. We were on different floors. And so it, it was it's kind of tough that way. But I remember uh, like specifically this last semester or like this last year, um, you being the like Coley tutor for all the finance and all those finance oh, classes. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. I would either come into my room or your room and you just have like people surrounding you doing uh, uh, homework and trying to solve problems.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's probably pretty accurate of how we started to get connected was um, you were pretty good friends with Jason, Jason Huebner, and he was in my, my business classes with me. And I always, you know, like you're talking about, was kind of the tutor. I always got things right away and then was the one that was trying to help other people understand it. And so I spent a lot of time in Jason's room helping him and other people with our accounting assignments. And you know, obviously you'd be around to knowing Jason and yeah. And, um, yeah, that, uh, I never really thought about how that kind of coincided with, um, both of us changing course, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some other factors in that too, but, um, you know, changing to a business major probably definitely had something to do with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like you mentioned earlier, you talked a lot about just, you know, you have a bunch of interests and I bet even right now you, you, probably still don't know exactly like i think you have a pretty good mind or idea of what you want to do but i'm sure that you still have like a bunch of just different interests and just um, passions that you kind of want to pursue kind of like i mean just before this podcast he was talking about investing in bitcoin and i mean yeah that's finance but also that's like what where'd that come from you know and so i think that kind of just represents who you are as like just a person you're you're a learner you're always trying to just gain new insights on things that are happening in the world. And I think that's cool. And I think that that happens. I mean, I don't think that, like you said, that Northwestern provides that. I think that's true. But also I think that's a lot of who you are as a person, because I don't think everyone, like no one's just going to be randomly, oh, I think I want to invest a a little bit into Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely right. And I think, I think part of that definitely comes from the family I grew up in. Um, my grandma on both sides of my family, maternal and paternal. They are both teachers. My mom is a teacher. My dad is a teacher. My oldest sister is a teacher. I mean, that is just so much of an educational background that kind of set me on that path. But also, as I've gotten more into business and studying some of the most successful businessmen, um, people like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and other, you know, very, very successful people, they stress continually learning and informing yourself. And, uh, recently I've drawn more and more inspiration from that and just seeing the value of being a well-rounded individual, because when you stop learning, you, you in a way, stop learning to be creative. You, you get trapped in, in what, you know, and if you're not expanding what you're thinking about, there's no way to create more opportunities because, um, you have no new thoughts and no new ideas. So just, that's something that I've been trying to, trying to pursue in my own life and build those habits of not just, you know, settling for the formal education that I've gotten, but pursuing self-education and reading books and that type of thing, because it's just, it, can just create so much value in your life and help you connect with other people in a way that you might not have otherwise thought of. And um, that can create opportunities to be creative and to be entrepreneurial.
0: I would say learning is like, I I don't think you should ever stop learning. You know, there's so many different ways you can learn. And I think a lot of people just assume and just um, kind of resort to the the education, like class, um, just take, you know, college type route. But you know, not everyone is geared for that, but because they're not, that doesn't mean they shouldn't keep learning. You know, um, there's just so many resources out there. And I, I remember pre quarantine when we were still in school, I remember the, the few or the, like, maybe it was like two or a couple days before we were scheduled to leave. I remember there were a bunch of guys in, in my room and you talked about how you were going to take this summer or this, you know, the time we had at home in the summer before next year to just like read, um, just really self improve yourself. And I think here we are in June. So like months after and you you're still talking about that same stuff. And so I, I think that y- you've done and you are doing what you set out to do um, back then. And even for myself, that's something that I like not necessarily in that realm but just improving and just really reflecting and just trying to be open to new things um, during this time. So I think that's something we both have been doing. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely has been easy. I mean, right away when I got home and we were still doing school, there was a month and a half where I wasn't doing any of those things. And it was a little bit of a psychological battle with myself to be like, oh, like you said you were going to do these things and now you're not. But once I got, once I've gotten into this routine, it's, it's been so great to, to, uh, I've read almost, I've read almost two books now in the last month or so. And I've got more books coming on the way that I've ordered. And I'm just so excited to, to see what knowledge they have that I can soak up from them. And uh, yeah, it's just been really good to, you know, see some of the fruits and just feel like, like, Hey, like, reading these books while, you know, maybe they aren't super applicable or beneficial right now in the present, they're still a heck of a lot more beneficial than sitting down and binging Netflix.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. I've, I definitely go through phases. Um, I would say overall, and this is something I want to talk to you about, but just like daily routines and just like your daily schedule. And for me, you know, I go through, just kind of waves. Most of the time I'm pretty good about this, but if I'm in the, like a creative rut or a creative block, I find myself way more, um, just open and willing to, you know, resort to, you know, video games, watching TV. But if I'm like in, if I'm in the zone and I'm like going hard, like I, there'd be days and maybe a week where I don't even touch any of that. And it's, I think a lot of it is because I'm not in college. So I don't have that just natural tendency and just habit to pick up a controller, but, um, it's crucial to get into those routines. And I think it's, 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 it's
1: almost like the zone for athletes. You know, you just get, you almost feel like you have adrenaline going while you're doing your work just because you're so invested in it. And finding that zone is, it's honestly a really, really exciting and special place. And it's
0: like, once you find it, if it, it's really nice, but it, you're always like, okay, how do I, how do I hold on to this as long as I can? Because you know that there's going to be, you know, you know, that it's going to fall back down. Um, but just then recovering and getting back to that spot, but so with daily routines, I mean, for you, my routine, I, I try and stick to a routine, but it's not always, I can't really stay on it all the time because, you know, I can technically wake up at any time I can go to bed at any time. But for you, I mean, you have other responsibilities outside of what you're doing. Like you have a part-time job that you have to get to. So do you, would you say that, that, you know, although you may, I don't know your opinion on the job, but would you say that job on a routine basis is very helpful to keep you like motivated to get up at a certain time every day type of thing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, before I had this job, most days I was sleeping in until nine, nine 30. And, you know, that wasn't that bad in the spring because I wasn't missing out on that much daylight time. But now I'm getting up around seven o'clock. I got to be at work at eight. So, and then, you know, once I'm at work, I'm at work from eight to one, just doing half time. I'm at work eight to one, four days a week. But then once I'm off work, my schedule doesn't, you know, it doesn't really tend to follow a super structured schedule. There's a few things that I try and do every day. So when I get home from work, obviously, you know, I get something to eat. But then, you know, just before you got here, took my dog on a walk, try and take my dog on a walk every day. Got to get my tan in too. So that that's always nice for that. But yeah, then once I've done those things, um, it's kind of it's kind of just whatever, you know recently i've been really engaged in some of my creative and the projects i've got going on but before i was really starting to get into those projects i was um, a lot of times going to play golf i'm on the golf team at northwestern so i'd go play golf and then i'd come home and read at night and so um, that's something that i haven't been able to do recently i've just been um, on a lot of phone calls and doing a lot of research for for my businesses and my projects, seeing how to get them started. So, you know, I actually haven't been spending as much time reading in the last week or two as I would have liked, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just a very, a very rough schedule. It's not, it's not super structured. I know there's a few things that I know I want to do every afternoon or every night, but there's not, you know, an hourly schedule or anything like that. I've experimented with doing that sometimes. And, um, I just, personally haven't had the discipline to do that yet but that's definitely something that I see being valuable.
0: It can be tough though because I think if you have a normal job um, you know you're going there from eight to five or whatever or I guess in your case eight to one and you know when you have a job you have like a checklist and you're kind of trying to check off the list during the day you have those tasks. It can be it's it's hard to shift your mindset to a you know, when you get home, you know, when I'm working in the day, I, I don't really, quote unquote, get things done because all my stuff's a continuation. And so it, it can be tough to it can be tough to see results or it can be like oh was, it's hard to gauge productivity because you're not really checking things off a list. You know, you're you know what I mean? And because like the things that I do and that that you're doing or even right now you you know, you're not making sales, you're, you're preparing and you're networking and you're, you're reaching out, you're researching all those things that it still work, but it's hard to see, um, on a day to day level, it's hard to see that productivity and results.
1: Yeah. Building the foundation is kind of what I would describe what you're doing. You know, you're building the foundation and you know, you're doing good work and you know, you're setting yourself up for success, but um, when you're plugging along, building something that's not necessarily super pretty, but it's building the foundation for something amazing. It can be kind of hard to, uh, to see that type of, that type of benefit, I guess.
0: All right, man. I want to get into the good stuff. Now the stuff that we're here for. So, um, yeah, and this is what excites me because this is a type of industry or just entrepreneurship is really interesting to me because it's the idea that you're creating something on your own and you're making it sustainable. And if you can create something that benefits others, you know, that's what even makes it even better. Um, so what, what would you say you're, you know, you're a business finance or you're a finance major. So have you always thought, you know, I want to work in an office, you know, for a company, or have you always thought like it would be nice to create my own business agency, whatever that would be?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I first was getting into business finance, I was picturing myself working in an office somewhere and getting a desk job, being there nine to five and didn't really have aspirations to start my own business. And I think, um, knowing you has been actually a big influence on me, uh, especially recently in, you know, being more ambitious and be like, Hey, like it would be interesting. It would be really cool to have an idea that I could pursue and make a business about. But for the longest time, I just, I didn't have an idea to pursue, you know, it's hard to make a business if you don't have an idea. So that was always something I been, that would be in the back of my mind, be like, oh yeah, it'd be cool to, you know, maybe do a business someday, but I have no ideas for a business that would create value for other people. And um, so it's been really exciting the last couple of weeks, the last month or so to, have finally had an idea where I can, you know, pour time and energy into it and actually feel like, Hey, I, I've got a chance to do something successful here.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to finding, you know, a business or an idea, it can be, it's very tough. I mean, there when there's so many options, so many just different fields, it's, it's overwhelming, but something that helps me and even just like within what I do, it's still tough to kind of like create those ideas. What I do is it's, it's instead of like trying to find an, an idea, it's trying to solve a problem, you know? And then when you, you have that mindset, it's easier to be like, Oh, you know, so for your case, okay. So for what he's doing, one of his projects is in the real estate. We can talk about this, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So it's in the real estate, um, industry and, and I've worked in this, but what he's doing is next level, what I think is the future of marketing for real estate. So, you know, for me, I've done the photo video for them, but what he's doing is the 360 um, tour, you know, that Google
1: street view type yeah, of basi- view. It's basically Google street view for the inside of a real estate list. And
0: I've, I've seen it and I, I wanted to hop on this train and, and kind of help him, but I don't know. I might let him just ride this one, but
1: Josh is too busy. Josh has got enough projects. He's got to let me have this. Yeah,
0: I'll let him have. But, (laughs) but what I see that or like when it comes to solving a problem here, it is. Here's a problem. Real estate agents, they need to sell the house. How do you sell a house? Well, you need to show the house. You know, everyone's doing photo video. Let's try something different. Let's introduce 360 where you can, you know, move this, the, the, your device and you can like scroll, look around And that just provides a better experience for the potential homeowner. And this is like, I'm saying this as like the photographer who takes the photos, like I see way, way more value in what you're doing with your, um, 360 cams. And so, yeah, there's a problem. You have the, the solution. Now you have a business. And so let's talk about the business behind what you're doing. So when did you kind of come with this or come up with this idea and like how, what was the process of like trying to figure out what's next?
1: Yeah. So I guess my, the idea came up one day I was, um, it was still, I think it was right after the school year had finished. So this is early May and I was sitting at home doing some work for uh, the business I was at before my marketing internship started. I was doing some work from home, just doing some data entry. And I had been playing Fox Business in the background, you know, just to give myself some exposure to, you know, different uh, concepts that going on in the business world and um, what the markets were doing. You know, finance is one of my things. Is, I mean, that's my major and finance and investments is kind of what I'm really, really interested in. Um, so I had the business channel on and they did a segment on this software called Matterport and my dad's a real estate agent and this Matterport software is, is geared towards real estate and creating 3d tours for real estate. And so I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool stuff. I'll, I should send this to my dad. He'll think it's interesting and he was just super excited he's like oh yes i've been looking for something like this i knew it existed but i just didn't know the name and so immediately uh, he uh, um you know downloads the software and begins playing around with it on his iphone and um you know we kind of were experimenting with it together and he took it to one of his listings and shot a house on his iphone and it's uh it's a beta their software for iPhone shooting because, you know, an iPhone can't capture 360 degrees. It can only capture a small window directly in front of it. So you have to take, you know, 20 to 30 pictures from one spot to capture one scan for this software. Um, and the software has to, you know, stitch all of those pictures together for that one spot. And then you have to do that, you know, countless other times to create, a full immersive view of the house. And so, you know, we're just thinking about it and talking about like, oh, hey, Nick, like, would you do this for me so that I don't have to spend, you know, a ton of time creating these videos or these tours, shooting them on my iPhone. And then kind of from there, it was like, oh, like, if I can do this, you know, for my dad, then... He's going to be the only person in our area that's doing that. Other people are going to see that and be like, hey, like that's pretty cool. Like I kind of want that. So then from there, it just kind of morphed from helping my dad sell his houses to, okay, how can I create a competitive advantage not only for him? I don't want to destroy his competitive advantage, so I'm not going to go to people he's competing selling houses against. So, as I, so we said, let's go to his agency and see if they want to have virtual tours done for their homes and so yeah it went from messing around with uh, some software app for an iPhone to hey let's see if we can make this happen for a, a greater agency and you know after we uh, figured out that that was going to be a possibility sunk an investment into a 360 camera and um now I'm where I'm at today and I've got a contract. So yeah.
0: no, that's awesome. I remember you, you sent me a message with the photo of it. And when I was look like, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really put the pieces together of what you were doing. I was like, Oh, cool. You got a 360 cam. What you, like, is that going to be like on your jet ski? You're going to be like, right. Like, you that's know, actually three... a good idea. I should do that. <laughs> I know. And that's like, for me in the creative field, 360 cams are like used for like, adventure type of sports or, you know, jet skiing, um, snowboard, snowboarding, uh, skydiving, like that type of thing. And so I'm like, Oh, that's what he got it for. But then I, Jason, he asked me because I was with him. He's like, dude, have you heard what Nick's doing? Like, I think that, he ha- that has potential. And I'm like, I'm like, what, what's he doing? And so then slowly I was putting the, uh, the, the dots together. And then, yeah, we actually, the three of us met, remember in the park and yeah, we were just yeah. like, we're circling around this like park by like 45, minutes. 45 minutes, just brainstorming ideas. And, you know, when we talk about the zone, I think that's when we were in the zone of just like trying to, um, brainstorm business plans, business models for you. You know, we talked, you know, how to make it profitable, how, how to make it profitable, you know, because this is a business we, you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to make money out of it or else, you know, you wouldn't really do it, but um just like trying to figure out you know is it best to do it per house or is it you know a bundle deal getting into the contract retainer type of concept and that's actually what you locked in and so that that's pretty exciting because you know that's that's like the pinnacle that's what you're trying to get in any type of business that reoccurring uh payments but yeah no that's pretty cool um I definitely see a lot of potential. What's the like? So what's the next steps for you? You got the contract, or you got the agreement? Have you started like into it or?
1: Yeah. So before I actually started, you know, my pitch to the agency, I had bought my camera, had decided, you know, at least if the agency doesn't do it, I know that I've got one client, and you know that being my dad, and so that's been really it's been beneficial to have had that, that security and it made it a lot easier to take the jump. Um, but yeah, so before I even pitched it to the agency, I had four or five of these virtual tours done and on the internet for people to see. And so, um, yeah, I've actually, you know, a couple of those were basically already sold before I did them, but uh, several of them are still on the market and, um, uh, my pitch went really well with the agency. They decided they wanted to hire me on and they're actually gonna retroactively um, compensate me for those tours that I've already done um, that are still on the market. So that's that's awesome. And yeah, uh, just yesterday actually is when we uh, came to an agreement and their agents have now all been told, hey, if you want to do a virtual tour for one of your listings, call Nick Baumgars. He'll come work out a work out a time to come shoot it and he'll create a tour for you. So from, you know, now June nine or whatever, until I, I'm pretty sure through the end of 2020, um, I'll be shooting houses for them.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I remember, um, so I've been kind of thinking through this just, yeah, not really talking to you, but here's some, my thoughts on this. So obviously right now there's a lot of buzz kind of going around this new concept, this new, um, service. And I think it's positive. And I, what I think, you know, whenever something new comes out, you know, there's people aren't really sure what it's about, but if you can get at least one person to bite and then, then the other people around them see it and they're like, Oh, wow. Like we want to be on that. That's when you can start really expanding and growing because right now, yeah, you have one main, uh, contract, but, you know, word spreads, people see stuff and then slowly. Hopefully you can get into different markets and then you can, you know, as the service gets, um, more in demand, um, more and more people will want it. So then, you know, you can raise your prices to get competitive, but then unfortunately people other than you are going to get into this, Business too, like anyone, I I could buy
1: a 360 cam in the software right now. Yeah, Josh is gonna come be my my competition. In yeah, and
0: so then then you really have to start thinking. Okay, how am I going to diversify? Like, you know, here we have you you versus me. You know how how are we gonna compete? Like, what can I provide that you can't? You know what I mean? And that so that's like what you talked about about just continuing to learn and educate yourself because this is a prime example that you have to keep learning about in this case new techniques maybe it's something different that you haven't thought of that will help elevate yourself from the competition that will maybe come in the future but yeah right now it's really cool because you are basically like any service type of business you know you could potentially get the client outsource the work pay them and you know then you're kind of managing and you're that like Head guy that's managing all these little, but I mean, that's that's down the road, but
1: yeah, yeah, that's uh, that would be if I this was something that I really wanted to you know pursue to create a huge company or a bigger company at this point. You know, it's with another part time job and another business, it's just kind of a side gig right now to get some cash flow, but that's those are definitely things that I've thought about, you know okay, how much could I pay someone else to do the work for me? And then, you know, I'm still going to get passive income or how can I, you know, I kind of have a non-compete agreement with some of their competitors in the immediate area, but how can I go to markets that aren't in that area and markets that maybe have already have someone doing it and I can then be the competition against them. You know, I can approach other people who don't have that service and say, hey, I can help you compete with these other people now. And so just kind of thinking of ways that I can expand or how I can um, kind of take the position that you were saying could threaten me, use that to my advantage to, to, you know, get market share in other places.
0: Yeah. What you just said, though, because if you if you signed a non what was a non-competition? Yeah, right? basically a
1: non-compete. Yeah, agreement. so you
0: can't you can't go to the neighboring um, agencies, basically. But on the outside, so if you're then wanting to go into a different market, a market that you know that's profitable, um, very high standard of living compared to where we're at right now, if they're already doing it there, most likely they already have the same thing as you, where they have a non. Um, but that means the ones that don't that that they can't go to. They still want that service. So then you can come in and be like, I understand, you know, I know that this so-and-so works for them and they can't work with you. I provide the same service. Let's work together. And then that basically fulfills a need for you to keep expanding and for them, like they're not going to be like, eh, I don't know. I, you know, because they can't get it otherwise. So it's like, why mm -hmm. wouldn't they go?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so just kind of thinking through some of those, you know, business tactics and that type of thing. while this is not necessarily a business that I see becoming a full-time job for me, just getting the experience of, you know, thinking through those business processes and how to market myself in other areas, how to expand my market share and gain new clients and new customers and that type of thing is going to be so, so valuable down the road when I start when I maybe, you know, start a business that I do want to put my entire life savings into or something like that.
0: Yeah. No, that's cool because, yeah, something as simple as this can provide so much knowledge that will carry on later on. And that's something that, like that's why I feel like what I've been doing for the past, you know, two, I don't know, two years, I feel has been more valuable than any class internship you know, job shadow could ever provide because this is like raw, real experience, you know, you're, you're pitched, you, you pitch to a company that there's no guarantee that they'll say yes. You know, if you're in an internship position, you have the position, you know, there's really nothing, you don't have to fight for yourself, but here it's a, it's a wild, wild west where you, you defend yourself. You have to prove yourself and it really helps you, um, just on a business side, just, understand more of like what it's really like when it comes to client, you know, contract type of work.
1: Yeah. I think that's pretty well said. I think, uh, anytime you can engage in real life experiences that you actually find interesting, it's going to be way more valuable than any kind of formal education you can get just because if you're interested and you're invested it yourself in that thing, It's it's just going to sink in that much deeper. And the experience is going to be that much more profound than sitting in a classroom learning about those things. You're not going to necessarily learn from the mistakes or successes of somebody else or someone telling you about how to do it. Um, But if you've done it yourself, if you've failed yourself or if you've had success yourself, it's just going to sink into your own mind and your own thought processes for the future that much more.
0: What would you say your, or what do you think your like biggest struggles or, um, yeah, struggles, just roadblocks that you'll face with this?
1: Yeah, maybe not even just with this company because um, this little business, like I said, it's kind of just a, a temporary side gig. Um, but I think maybe you know one of the struggles that I might have with entrepreneurship down the road is in the school system. I've always done really well in class, and failing hasn't been something that I've experienced very often. And a lot of times in entrepreneurship, you have to fail a lot before you succeed. And so, just just learning how to fail, I guess, is something that I see being pretty difficult for me in the future. And I've been lucky that with this, you know, I didn't really fail. You know, I succeeded on the first try, um, but in a way that could be dangerous for the future, you know, like, Oh, like my first business was successful on the first try. My second business wasn't what did I do wrong this time. Like it just won't, it'll seem like failing is out of the ordinary when it's really the norm, you know? So that's just kind of the thing that I've been trying to tell myself throughout this to, I guess in a way, keep my subconscious humble that like, Hey, this isn't the way it's, this isn't the way it goes for most people. So that's something that I th- see could be a real struggle. That's why my
0: mindset of like where I'm at right now has shifted a lot because I think, yeah, obviously failure, no one wants to fail. You know, it's just, it doesn't feel good, but in entrepreneurship failure and you see this, like if you read, you know, blogs, if you see photos, they preach to you about failure and like embracing it and like almost Want wanting you to fail. Like almost that failure is a win basically. Yeah. And, and I, I think it is true because the more you fail, the more you'll learn from your mistakes to then when you're hopefully in a position that you've learned from them. And I think just failure is just natural and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't make you feel bad, but it does. And, um, yeah, just like you said, trying to keep yourself humble and, Change your mindset of like what failure actually is like if I if you didn't get that client, you know If you didn't win that pitch, that's technically like a failure in your in your mind Mm -hmm. You know, what do you it's it's then like what do you do with that failure? You you analyze it You look at maybe the pitch wasn't correct You refine it and then here we go try again and if you get it well there you learn from your mistake And I think the more you succeed the more like when a failure does come it's harder I think to bounce back that, I think that's true for me. Like if if I keep succeeding, if the minute I hit one roadblock, like I think I'd crumble, like because I wouldn't know what to do.
1: Yeah, you've kind of gotten lost, is what it feels like. Yeah, to fail. because
0: like you're on this like super high, and it's like to to take one step back. The higher like,
1: you go, the faller the the farther you fall, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Um, kind of going along with with this topic is I. I've been reading um, about investing quite a a lot recently, and Warren Buffett is widely regarded as the greatest investor of all time. And I just think it's so ironic and so cool to note that his iconic company, Berkshire Hathaway, is actually one of his failed investments. Berkshire Hathaway was a textile company in the Northeast, I think, and Buffett decided he was going to Uh, aggressively buy shares of this company to own it and he spent years maybe even decades pumping money into this textile company to try and make it a profitable company but just the way the market was going and the way things were being outsourced in the United States they were never able to and so that investment was a failure but that failure set him up to under to better understand how to invest in different corporations and what to be looking for in different corporations. And now this failed investment is like the Holy grail of companies in the United States, Berkshire Hathaway. I just think that's so ironic and so cool.
0: All right. So kind of shifting back to the kind of that college life. So you and I were both going to be seniors, uh, our last year kind of, What's kind of your goal
1: with, you know, your last year in college? Gosh, that's, that's such a good question. Um, and I don't really have an answer. I guess right now my goal is to, you know, continue having success with my real estate photography business. And, um, I've got another project that I'm working on with a couple other buddies. I think that that will be my biggest goal of senior year is getting that project on its feet and running. Um, it's, there's, there's some complications with it right now, but I think it's potentially, (laughs) I suppose you could say that learning from the failures. Um, but yeah, if we could get that up on its feet and running, I think it has the potential to be something really, really valuable. And, um, it has to deal with investing, which is really what I want to end up doing with my life and creating value for other people through investments. And so yeah, it would just be amazing to get to get that project up and running.
0: I mean, for me, my senior year, I don't it's it's crazy to think that we're yeah, you only you in. only
1: have like half a year left.
0: Yeah, cuz then hopefully we'll see. I'll be I might I'll be in LA, but um yeah, it's it I remember first day of class, you know, and I think high school going through high school, that's surreal, but I think college is just different because it's the last step before you're before you in the real world before you unless you go on to grad school and then more you know but for most people this is like the last step to life <laughs> and i don't know for me i just want to be able to soak it all in and obviously i'm going to be working i'm going to be progressing my business but i think i don't know i i say that i don't want to let it get in the way of me like enjoying my time with the guys and just the people that i uh, that i enjoy being with but also like i like to be aggressive in what i do and so it's hard and that's something i'm still trying to figure out what, what the balance of work first play you know yeah
1: and i mean, I mean that's that's the balance that you're gonna have to find for even, the rest yeah, yeah even after college yeah. is over yep. it just It just seems a little more applicable now because it's such a unique time in your life. Yeah,
0: Like I I, I just remember there were times last year where I I was just locked in my room working and like I could easily. Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely a struggle that I have of just like, when do I invest my time in the people that make me better? Or when do I invest the time in the business that will, make me better you know? so
1: true and I think as long as you're asking those questions um you're gonna be on the right path anyway
0: option yeah no it'll be good it'll be it'll be exciting to when we're out of college just to follow each other and just see where where things end up I mean I, I part of me wonders if we'll just they'll come back full circle full circle and we'll start up a company together but
1: hey. I'm open. (laughs) It's, uh, it's been awesome just getting to, to see you work and see kind of how that's influenced me, um, into the entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, trying to get businesses started. And it's, uh, it's definitely been a game changer for me personally, just like feeling like I have an added sense of purpose, I guess. I mean, as a christian i i already feel like i have that but something beyond that that is you know potentially creating you know business value and economic value that can create a foundation for more christian like things to happen um but definitely feeling you know we're made to work i guess is one is one christian perspective you can have on it and having something to work on that you're passionate about makes it so much easier to work. And, uh, um, I think you've been a big influence on me. I mean, currently finding something that I've got been able to put passion into to work on. So yeah, that's, that's been really awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think purpose driven work is huge. And if you can, and you know, I, I am influenced by many, many people, um, you know, around my friend, like people around me, but also people that I only see on a screen. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned is just taking something that you, you know, you hear the phrase that like ignites a fire in you, you know, like taking that and just running with it. And I think money, like if it comes to money and just compensating, you'll find ways to make money. And so you might as well make, or you might as well do it around something that you actually enjoy. Because if you're working at a job that you don't really like, you're not gonna put your full effort into it. It's a grind. It's a grind. But if you can do something that you actually enjoy doing, it honestly turns like it, it. It not all the time, but it can feel like just like fun.
1: For sure, yeah. And I think I think the other thing that goes along with you know finding passion in your work is that you know it it it's not really something that you can rush. You know, like you have been started doing photography type stuff and you've been pretty passionate about that, you know, since as long as I've known you. And I haven't really felt like I've had passion about my work until, you know, a month or so ago. Um, and you know, some of the most successful people didn't start their crazy successful businesses until they're in their thirties or in their forties. And so it's just, it can feel like there's a pressure, I think, a lot of times. Like, when you're going through school, people are always telling you, oh, you know, do what you love, that type of thing. But at the same time, doing what you love isn't always profitable. So, like, it's it's really tough to feel like there's this pressure to do what you love, but not really know what you love doing either. Yeah. And so it's just, it's really... I don't know. There's just a ton of pressure to feel like at 20 years old, you need to know what you love doing and you need to, you know, find what you love to, you know, have passion and be successful. And I think for a lot of people, that's just not the case. You know, like you might, you, a lot of people are probably going to have to go into the workforce and have a desk job or something like that for 10, 15 years before they find something that gives them an idea that they can create value for other people with, And I think it's just, it's really hard to find that. And, you know, I don't even know if I've found that yet. You know, I found it temporarily, but it's not necessarily something that I see being a business I can do for the rest of my life. And so finding something else that I can do that with is going to be the next step.
0: Yeah. I think we're so um, pressured, like uh, people our age there's, there's, it's polarizing. There's one side that's like, you need, basically need to know what you're going to do for the next 50 years of your life. And then there's the other side that's like, you're in college, enjoy your time. Like you'll figure it out. And it can be very tough for someone like us who we want to figure it out, but also we want to, you know, enjoy your time. And especially if you're like entrepreneurship minded, you know, it's extra like stressful to be like, I'm graduating in a year I better have everything figured out but then exactly I better have <laughs> I better yeah I better have employees working for me already. Right, no but and I think something that like like my biggest advice if I can offer advice I don't know you can take whatever you want from it <laughs> but for students that are maybe are just coming into college even high schoolers passion and just like what you want to do will always change and I think it's okay because that's part of the process of growing. And I think college offers a great opportunity for, for students to just kind of dabble in different areas. But I think what's equally important is having that drive to start off with. You need to have the drive to then find, like you need to have the drive to pursue a passion. Like passion and something you like to do isn't just gonna pop up, like you have to be pursuing it. And I think that goes a lot into just like your faith, too, because I think a lot of both of those can go hand in hand, because as you're actively pursuing Christ, you'll f- understand what you like. Your purpose
1: of life is is kind of confusing, but that's kind of how I yeah. like to explain it. I, th- I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about kind of at the beginning with reading and continued self-education and just learning about different topics like you know, you might be interested in one thing now, but, you know, 20 years down the road, if you're still feeding yourself with new information and new education, you might find something else that's completely different, 10 times more interesting. And then you can go pursue that instead. And so I think, you know, continuing to educate yourself and read about, you know, the important problems or, you know, the grand solutions that have been occurring, uh, in the world at that point in time. I think that's something that can also help you find your passion and know what you're looking to try and do because otherwise, you know, you don't know the other opportunities that are out there if you're not continually educating and reading. Absolutely. I think that's a good wrap for the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no,
0: thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you to the listeners for listening. Shameless plug? To, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not. No shameless. So <laughs> yeah,
1: Hopefully, you guys find some value in this. Yeah. No. So.
0: And that's what I. At the end of the day, I just want this to hopefully, you know, resonate mm-hmm. with as many. But if it's one person, then we did our job. Yeah.
1: I mean, if we helped one person with a you know 60 minute conversation, if, if that's, there's that's so, pretty yeah. good return on our on my time. I like, I
0: feel I have this this. Uh, like thought and just idea that there's a lot of people out there that have these businesses that they want to start, but they don't know how. And yeah, before we leave, I would say that you don't have to know how to do it because that's part of the process, but you just have to be willing to start it. Yeah. And I think uh, because that that shows like if you're willing to actually pursue it, you know, if, if this involves other clients or if this pursues people outside of you yourself, you, you're gonna probably fail, but the people are gonna see like, oh wow, he's actually trying, he is passionate about it, he's making an effort. But if you don't make that initial effort, it doesn't matter if it's successful or not. The effort that the effort is what's required to actually start. And from there, yeah, maybe it fails, maybe it's successful. But it starts with the effort of like, I have this idea. Let's just try.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's a great, great little bit on that.
0: Awesome. Well, there we go. We're done. All right. Peace. Peace. <laughs>